I just got to say, the, the power in this room this morning during worship, and somebody was dancing back there and like hands in the air. Man, what a place to be on a Sunday morning. Why would you ever miss this, right? Like, why would you ever not come in a room filled with this much Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning and get to be part of that? It's, it is fantastic. Good morning, I'm Marcy. As Phil said, if I don't know you, I will get to know you. I'm in a supreme stalker. Um, I met a lot of you this morning who are brand new, and we're so excited that you're here with us today. Um, welcome. We are kind of in a bridge right now. We just came off Easter. What a high, right? The promise of Jesus is fulfilled. He is here, right? Just like they just sang to us. He is risen. He is here. And we have been talking over the last few months out of the Old Testament and the promises that God made through the prophets that Jesus was coming. And now he's here. Can you imagine the relief they must have felt? Can you imagine after thousands of years? We don't want to wait 10 minutes for an Uber, right? 10 minutes, we're like, where, cancel. I'll pay the fee, I don't care, 10 minutes, right? The Jews had waited thousands of years for Jesus to arrive, and he is here. And so we've been talking about that. We've been in this series called Who Do You Say I Am? So exciting. I'm gonna turn my timer on, I'm sorry, hold on. Because I don't wanna keep you all day. It's a beautiful New York City day. Um, but we've been talking about this idea of who do you say I am? And now we're gonna bridge into asking you who you are in Jesus. But there's some things we gotta talk about for a couple weeks before we get to that point. Because knowing who Jesus is and then how to abide and live with him sometimes can get a little confusing and we wanna walk that out together. So we're kind of in a bridge couple of weeks here where we're gonna talk about some things that the New Testament writers talk to us about to keep us in this place of abiding in Jesus and understanding who he is. But Jesus didn't come just to tell us who he is, he came to tell us who we are. And so we've gotta make that link and that connection. So I'm excited to do that with y'all today. I woke up this morning at five and my 10 year old is not with me. So I was like, oh, I can go back to sleep, right? And then God was like, oh, no, no, no. You just get on up and spend some time with me, right? And I'm so excited I did because I went back through and was really praying this morning. And, and Jesus was telling me so clearly, man, I just want to spend time with my people. I want to spend time with them. But we have a warning that we've got to heed. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the book of Hebrews. That's what we're going to be studying for the next couple of weeks. One of my favorite books in the Bible, but Hebrews is dense. It is dense with wisdom, dense with conviction, dense with teachings. And so sometimes you read the first chapter and you're like, oh, I'm out. I don't know what the heck this is saying and I'm done and what am I doing, right? Um, so we're going to try to pull that apart for you a little bit. But as we've seen all these angels and prophets speak, right? And now God has provided the voice. We've been in the gospels. Jesus is the voice. He has taught. He has led. He has cared for. He has loved. He has sacrificed. He has risen. Now he's sitting at the right hand of God on your behalf. That is a loaded statement right there, right? You're like, well, I, I ate a bagel this morning. Like I did some stuff, right? Jesus is like, I have done all these things for you, do you know? So I want to talk about that. The quote, I saw this quote about who Jesus is, and I want to read it to you because it, it, I can't get it out of my head. It says, Jesus is immeasurably superior to anything your heart can conceive or your mind can imagine. Jesus Christ is God's full and final revelation to the world of what is good and true. Stop 
looking anywhere else. Right? He's right there. I love that quote. So we came out of Easter in this miracle, and we were immersed in Holy Week prayer. Man, it was good. Three times a day on prayer with the people in this church, and we were in study. We were learning Jesus' teachings and this miracle, and we were fasting, and we were immersed. And the Easter bunny came, right? And then back to real life. And that's exactly what happened to the Jews. They had waited thousands of years for Jesus to come. And every promise was fulfilled. And he ascended to the throne. And the Jews had to get back to their life. How do we do that? How do we do that? That's hard business, right? There's this shift that occurs. The miracle comes. We wait on it forever. And then it's quickly forgotten. We quickly forget about it. Not everyone knew about the resurrection of Jesus. Not everybody understood what what had happened, but the Jews did. They had been waiting on it for thousands of years, and they had responsibility to it. And they were unsure of what to do with it, right? We've talked before about what they were doing. They were living under the Roman Empire, and it was crazy. There was all kinds of things competing for their attention, competing for their loyalty and affection and time. And so what happens is we get this wonderful book of Hebrews that gives us the warning. There's several warnings in Hebrews, but I'm gonna talk to you about one main one today. Um, And and when I talk about this warning, I want you to think about the shift in the life of the Hebrews, right? As well as ours. We have to understand the transformation of us before we understand who Jesus is and the transformation in us after we understand who Jesus is. There ought to be a shift, right? We shouldn't be the same before we realized who Jesus was. We ought to be different. So who is Jesus? The Jews were warned in Hebrews, right? That's the name of the book, Hebrews. It's written to the believers, to the Jewish people, right? He's, he's talking to the believers. This isn't a book written to the unbelievers. This is written to you. He's saying, here's what you need to be careful of. Thank God we have somebody who cares about us enough to write that down for us, right? To say, here's what you need to be careful of. They were being warned, The miracle had happened, and they were going back to regular life. I want to read to you out of Hebrews 2. Um, Cher, you're going to put it up for me? Thank you, ma'am. That way I don't have to get my glasses out and fumble around up here. Okay, so Hebrews has many warnings in it, but I want you to focus on chapter 2 right now. And here's what was said in there. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore the great salvation that was first announced by Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. That is a loaded verse right there. Right, God's saying, Be careful not to drift. And, oh, by the way, here's everything I gave you to make sure you don't drift. Because what we think is, what does that mean, don't drift? He just told you, right? Be careful to not pay attention to what we've taught you, right? The author is warning us. It's a warning not to drift back into the comfort of tasks, into the comfort of laws. He was warning the Jewish people specifically not to drift back into the comfort of law, but to drift into the grace and power of Jesus, 
right? He's warning us in 2023 not to drift away from the things that Jesus is because he is constant. There's no difference in 2023 than there was back then. Jesus is the constant. So we can't take our eyes off the miracle. How many times do we pray to God and say, if you'll just do this, I'll do this. And then he does it and we get comfortable and we take our eyes off the miracle. And then the next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call saying, I can't find God. Where is he? I can't hear him. I can't see him. He's not here. Yes, he is. He's constant and unchanging. We are the ones who took our eyes off, not him. Right? He's unchanging. The New Testament is given to us in writing. We get to see these firsthand accounts of people who stood next to Jesus. He taught them. He loved on them. He convicted them. He sat in prayer with them. He sat in community with them. He walked alongside them. And we get to see all those writings. Woe to us not to read that and absorb that and understand that. That's our lesson right there, right? The final word of God through Jesus. He's the anchor. And the reason we got that is twofold. So you can preach it to yourself. Yes. We need to preach it to ourselves and then to preach it to others, to show it, to have Jesus flow out of us into the world that we live in. It was a twofold reason that Jesus came and spent all that time with the disciples. And the reason we're being warned not to drift away is if you don't live it, if you don't preach it to yourself and you don't live it and you don't bring it out to the people around you, what did Jesus die for? What did he die for? We put him on that cross. He sacrificed for us. And we turn our eyes away every day. Sometimes because it's too hard to look at. Sometimes because we can't acknowledge our responsibility in that, right? Sometimes we just don't understand it and the focus gets too difficult. But we turn away every time. We get these firsthand experiences. We see the work of the Holy Spirit, right? He gave us all these sources to look at. We've got to go into the gospel and read this stuff. Jesus taught the disciples. He didn't just walk alongside them for a few years and then ascend to heaven. He taught them in great detail because he understood what the human condition was. He knew what they were going to have to face. He knew what was going to go on, right? God has a continuous message. It hasn't changed, but we have to read it. We have to study it. We have to know it. We have to be able to preach it into our own lives. So when we talk to each other and we say things aren't going well and things are off the rails and I'm not sure what's going on and I can't hear God, go back to Jesus' teachings. He's talking to you. It's right there. But if you don't know it and you don't study it and we don't keep our eyes on it, then there's no way for us to absorb that. Right? We We have to spend time in what God is showing us. So what's the drift? Let's look at us. Right? I remember... I was 43 years old, pregnant with my daughter. Yes, draw all the conclusions from being an old woman, right? Go ahead. Right, 43 years old, pregnant with my daughter. Everything was fine until it wasn't. Eight weeks early, I'm at work, I'm in the army, I'm at work, I start to get these pains in my stomach. I'm like, y'all just bear with me. I'm like, it's gas. You have that when you're pregnant, you'll be all right. Right, it's gas. I'm just going to walk it off. Yeah, those of you who know me are like, yeah, that sounds like you, right? I'll just walk it off. And I start leaning over, leaning over. I'm out in the hallway, and finally my boss goes, I think you probably better go to the hospital. Like, you're not walking it off, right? So I get to the hospital. My blood pressure is 215 over 120. And they said, we're going to take the baby right now. 
Now, you want to talk about something that's going to put you on your knees in front of God quickly. Right? And I prayed all of it. I'll do anything if you let me have this baby. I'll do anything. I'll focus on everything you've ever said to me. I'll minister to everybody I ever see. I will love people in the image of Jesus every day of my life if you let me take that baby home. On my knees, just lights out, right? Because, man, I was desperate for Jesus. And then what happens? You've seen my child. She's perfectly healthy. She's a horse, right? God answered that prayer a thousand times over. And how many times have I forgotten the gift? She called me last night. She's at home with Grandma. She called me last night at midnight. I can't sleep. First thing goes through Mommy's head is like, oh, I got to preach in the morning. I'm so tired. Right? The gift. God answers the prayer, and we lose focus. Right? God's going to give me the energy to stand up here and preach, whether I sit on the phone with my daughter at midnight and walk her through not being able to sleep or not. I got to honor that. I have to honor that gift. I have to honor who Jesus told me I am. I have to honor who Jesus is to me. Right? We drift. We focus on other things. What's more important? What might be more important? Right? We get in that place of forgetting the miracle because it's the human condition. Now, there's no perfection in that, but where do we need to come back to? Where does the focus need to come back to? We have to think about that. Where am I drifting? What causes my focus to come off of Jesus? What causes my focus to come off of his teachings? When I was in the army, we had this thing called land nav. It was scary, people, right? They said, you're going to go out and navigate to like 12 points by yourself in the dark. I, I don't want to do that. What? Right? You're going to sit down with a map. You're going to plot out all these points. Then you're going to get a compass and you're going to walk out into the dark by yourself and find all those points. And you might get lost, and we'll give you a panic azimuth to shoot to a road, and then we'll come get you in a few hours if we don't see you. Now, listen, people, this was Fort Benning, Georgia. Do you know what the signs say as you're walking into the land nav area? Beware of the alligators. Uh, I'm not going in there. What? Oh, yes, you are going in there. Because the points you need to find and what you need to focus on is in there. That's where I need you to go. And so what would I do? I would study I would train myself. I would absorb the teachings that I needed. I would get my compass out. I would plot my point. And believe me, I prayed. No doubt about it. Right? I would plot my point, and I would start moving to that point. But here's what happens when you don't stay focused and you don't stay aware of what you're doing. You will naturally drift. It is a natural part of the human condition to drift. And then what happens when we do that? We show up at a point that looks familiar. It may not be where we're supposed to be, but it looks familiar. I've been here before. So either I'm comfortable here or I don't know how to get away from it. I don't know how to refocus. So in the Army, they would teach us to do what we called shoot a back azimuth. So I'm lost, right? That happened a lot. <laughs> it, was not a, it was not an unusual occurrence for me to be in the woods thinking, please don't let the alligators be near me until I figure this out, right? And I would shoot a back azimuth. The back azimuth takes you back to the last known point, the last known good point. So what do we do? 
We learn Jesus' teaching, we study them, we preach them to ourselves, and then we get a compass and we follow him. And when we're unsure of where the drift has taken us, we shoot a back azimuth to the last place that we know he was. Here is where I know he was. I heard him and I saw him clearly. And I'm going to shoot a back azimuth back to that point. And I'm going to go back there and reorient, reorient my map, and I'm going to start again. And I'm going to ask somebody to help me. And I'm going to get shepherded by somebody. I'm going to get prayed over by somebody. And I'm going to read some of Jesus' teachings. And I'm going to get filled up. And then I'm going to point my compass back to Jesus. And I'm going to start again. And I'm going to try to keep my drift from occurring. Right? The drift comes in all forms, guys. The drift is the things we think we have to do. I have to show up at all these events. I have to take to all these phone calls. I have to spend all these time in all these things. And after a while, we realize we have drifted so far off of what Jesus has for us, that man, that back azimuth causes us to back up a long ways. What if we were able to shorten the drift, right? What if we were intentional enough about it to shorten it, to bring ourselves back quicker? Man, I remember when I would get to that point and I knew it was the right one, I was like, oh, you have no idea, right? I haven't been eaten by an alligator. I'm at the point I was coming to, life is good, but then... I had to go to the next one. It never ends. It's a never-ending journey with Jesus to say, let me reorient, let me point the compass again. Over and over and over and over. And we don't focus on it. And we allow the drift to take us way too far off. And we don't come back. Listen, part of the reason I'm talking to you guys about this, part of the reason that I feel like God has told me this over and over is that he's saying there's two main problems with this. One is, I don't have you fully abiding in Jesus. And the second thing is, I don't have you bringing it to my kingdom. And God can't do the work he needs without you. He created you to be in his kingdom, to be full and abundant in his kingdom and to bring that fullness and abundance to others. That's why the book of Hebrews is written to believers. It's written to us. To say, here is what I need from you and here is what I'm warning you against in your human condition. The Jews were in danger of going off course, right? Listen, we think about this drifting away and you think, well, I'm not really doing anything terrible. It's not the appearance of us doing something bad, right? I know you're not, well, I don't know, but I don't think any of you are out like twisting your mustache trying to, to you know, ruin someone's life. The drift usually isn't that apparent. It's not some terrible thing. You don't have to say, I'm an atheist, right? That's not what we're talking about. Man, the devil loves a drifted Christian, right? You're paying attention to something other than Jesus, I got you, because you're ineffective. You're ineffective in your own life, and Jesus is ineffective, and I'm ineffective with everybody that's around you. When? All day long, I don't have to do anything, right? The devil's lazy, it's like, I don't have to do anything because they're ineffective. It's not the appearance of something bad. How do we position ourselves to fight that drift? We don't have to actively reject the gospel to be in danger. You don't have to say, I'm an atheist and I don't believe. But when you neglect it, when you don't study it, when you don't live it, when you don't sit in it, it's just as eroding to your soul. It just as efficiently erodes your soul. Because that's the only thing that's going to feed your soul. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with all the other things that you guys do. I hear all day long, man, I need you to watch Yellowstone, Marcy. <laughs> Cannot tell you. Who's this guy Dutton somebody? 
there's people who can tell me every word that man says, right? Like, and I live in Texas, so maybe it's, I have a skewed population. But, I mean, they're like, man, Yellowstone, you got to watch it. And then there's 1923 and 1880, what, I don't know, right? All these things. And they can tell me every word. And, man, people are worshiping some Yellowstone. Now, listen, I'm not against Yellowstone. I don't even know what it is. Don't have that guy who created it, like, file a lawsuit against the church. I'm not, I'm not saying that, Right? I'm not saying we shouldn't do that stuff, but what I am saying is, where is that causing us to drift? And if you can do that and stay focused on Jesus and stay where you need to be and bring his kingdom every day, then go for it. But if you can't, your soul will deteriorate. I want you to fight for that. Fight for your soul. That's what Jesus told you to do. He gave you every tool to fight for your soul and fight for the souls of others, right? The, it, we, there was this quote, and the, the pastors and I were talking about it this week, and, and I've just been really looking at it. The indifferent and apathetic are in need of a savior just as much as the murderer, the addict, the tyrant. Man, we can sit in our church. We're cool, right? I'm good. I go to church. I go to my community group. I pray. Where is your compass pointed? Because your soul is deteriorating in the midst of all of the things that you think are good and lovely, and they are. And I want you to come to church, and I want you to go to community group, and I want you to do all those things, but I want your soul fed. I want you not to drift away from the place that's going to feed your soul. Are you positioned to receive? I want to play a video for you. I I stole this from another pastor, so I I actively tell you that. Um, But I want you to think about something. God just gave us his son. He just gave us all we need. He gave it in writing. He gave it through the Holy Spirit. He gave it through all these people that talked to us about it, right? He had the author of Hebrews tell us he gave us all these things. And we're still looking the other way. And he comes back and he saves us over and over. And then this is what we do. So Shay, will you pull the video for me? If you guys can see the TV screen, can you see it? So God's getting us out of the ditch. He saved us. He's like, oh, good. I got them out. They're back on course. And here goes Marcy. Right back in. <laughs> Shay, we play it one more time? Yeah, and then, they, and then we cook something. Shay, we play that one more time? Listen, this is what God said. This is my saving grace. I gave my son. He pulled you out of there. He put you back on course. Go that way, sheep. Go that way. And then what? Nope. And then God's like, oh, all right, I'll get back in there with you again. Right, I'll get back in the ditch again. Dude, when he gets you out of the ditch, keep going, right? Get your compass pointed and start moving. Are you positioned? We got to avoid the drift, guys. Focus on Jesus. I don't care what it takes. Do whatever you have to do. Right? Until you can get to a place where he's foremost in your mind, where he's leading you, where your compass is focused on him and you're moving. Do it through study. Do it through prayer. Do it through worship. Do it through community. Do it through obedience. He will bless all of those places for you, but we've got to get in there and pay attention. We start every day intentionally with quiet time. I, so many of you all tell me, oh, I got up this morning and I spent time in the Bible. Yes. And then at 2 o'clock, 
I forgot everything I read because the world has taken over and then I got in a huge fight with my coworker and now there's all these problems and I hate everybody and God's nowhere in my day, right? Because, man, this morning I was focused and I was in there and it's 5.30 and I'm up and I'm paying attention to God and at 2 o'clock the world has taken over. And I have drifted all the way over to what the world has for me. I had something I could do in community tonight. But then somebody said, hey, this is going on. Maybe come to this. And I'm like, well, I might miss out if I don't go to that. Right? There might be something over there I need. Jesus is like, focus, focus. Right? He's screaming for us. The book of Hebrews gives us a warning because Jesus is yelling for you. He's yelling your name. He's saying, this is where you're going to miss out. Come to me. We forget the miracles. We have to challenge ourselves to stay focused in front of Jesus. What a gift he has given us by teaching us, by spending time with disciples and allowing that to be written down so you can read it anytime you need to. By having this community where you can pray anytime you need to. By having this worship team who can bring the Holy Spirit in quicker than anybody I've ever seen. And you can soak in it anytime you need to. You can do it here, or you can get them on Spotify, or you can go to their show, right? We give you a thousand different ways to get to Jesus because we want you to have a compass a place on your compass that points right to where Jesus is and you know where it is every time. And you're not at the wrong point, drifted, having to shoot the back azimuth and us trying to figure out how to, how to pull us back, right? It's gonna happen. That's why we have community. That's why we're all here together. But man, can we shorten it? Can we shorten the drift? Can we understand who Jesus is and what he brought to us? How do we know him? Bless you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the miracle. Man, you showed us over and over and over in Jesus' teachings. You showed us the miracles. You showed us the healings. You showed us the teachings. You showed us everything we need to live the life that you intended for us. And you gave your son on that cross for us. I ask that you give us new, renewed thirst and hunger to follow Jesus. That we would know him. That we would want to sit and listen to him that we want to absorb his teachings, that we would want to pray together, that we would want to be in community together, that we would want to lift our hands in praise to you together. What a gift. I can't think of a, of a single gift that's better than that. But Lord, you know us and we're human. And we drift off and we run back in the ditch. And we're so grateful to you for showing up every time and pulling us out of that ditch. Lord, we love you for that. I ask that you would cover these people with your blessing, cover these people with your presence. They would feel you every day in a new and renewed way, that they would be excited about Jesus, about the, the sacrifice that you made. They would be excited for what you want to do in their lives and in the lives of the people around them. We're so grateful to even get to be a sliver of this kingdom. So grateful that we get to learn from the teachings before. What a gift. Lord, I just ask that you cover this, this congregation and your love in a, in a way they've never felt before, that they would know they are heirs to your inheritance. We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen.